Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We are reading in the book of Genesis. Now, last time we read Genesis chapter 49. And 49 was Israel or Jacob's prophecies, um, blessings to his son. It's a little bit of both. And it kind of tells us who the sons are. And then as we notice who they are, I think it helps kind of set the stage for what we're going to read upcoming. We're, we're ready to read. Um, well, let me read this last verse to you. Uh, when Jacob, Israel, had finished commanding his sons, he drew his feet into the bed and breathed his last and was gathered to his people who had preceded him in death. So basically, he had passed at that, at that moment after he gave them this, this prophecy and, and these blessings, these, I guess, these prophecies and these blessings, you know, giving each one according to what was appropriate for them. Okay. So now we're ready to read Genesis chapter 50. This is the last chapter in Genesis. And this, this really ends, you know, if we look at the generations we've been looking at here in Genesis now. Now, and it starts before Abraham, okay? We know it starts before Abraham. There's Adam and there's Cain and Abel and there's Noah. And I'm just hitting the highlights here. Um, but here for the past you know, good number of chapters we've been talking about Abraham and then Isaac and then Jacob and then Joseph and their families. So this has been all about these people, these men of God and these families who are trying to follow God and trying to adhere to, you know, godly principles. Okay. And it shows their, it shows their faults just like with the, any of us, it shows their faults, but it also shows their, their good points and the, the good things they've done. All right, so this is Genesis chapter 50. Now I am reading from the Amplified Bible. Then Joseph fell upon his father's face and wept over him and kissed him tenderly. Then Joseph ordered his servants, the physicians, to embalm, mummify his father. So the physicians embalmed Israel, Jacob. Now, 40 days were required for this, for that is the customary number of days of preparation required for embalming. And the Egyptians wept and grieved for him in public mourning as they would for royalty for 70 days. So this sounds like they went over the top, but they were doing this, I believe, in honor of Joseph and the fact that this was Joseph's father, and he was very close to Pharaoh. When the days of weeping and public mourning for him were past, Joseph spoke to the nobles of the house of Pharaoh, saying, If now I have found favor in your sight, please speak to Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear an oath, saying, Hear me, I am about to die. Bury me in my tomb, which I prepared for myself in the land of Canaan. So now let me go up to Canaan, please, and bury my father, then I will return. And Pharaoh said, Go up and bury your father, as he made you swear. Now I do want to note too, you know, we were talking about the uh, the mourning. Uh, I think Joseph had found favor with the people as well, because he had been prepared, and here he had 
kept back and kept up the food, and he was supplying them with food. Now, some people may have been somewhat resentful, too, of the fact that Pharaoh you know, was selling this food and that they ended up giving all that they had for this food. But the other option would have been to starve and to have nothing. So, you know, there is there is that. So I think I think they favored uh, Joseph. And I, I know uh, for certain that Pharaoh and the, the royal people here in Pharaoh's household would have favored Joseph because Pharaoh did. Now, notice Joseph is still technically a slave. I don't know that they've ever said that he was a free man at all. Still technically a slave. But uh, they're like, yeah, you, you know, you go and bury your father as, you know, as you promised to do. Now, he's going to be accompanied. He's not going by himself, but he's not going in chains. And it doesn't sound like they're guarding over him. Instead, it sounds like this was a uh, correct accompaniment accompaniment you know a correct group of people to to aid and watch over someone of high rank so so let's let's read through this so joseph went up to canaan to bury his father and with him went all the officials of pharaoh the nobles of his court and the elders of his household and all the nobles and the elders of the land of egypt and all the household of Joseph and his brothers and his father's household. They left only their little ones and their flocks and herds in the land of Goshen. Both chariots and horsemen also went up to Canaan with Joseph, and it was a very great company. When they came to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond the Jordan, they mourned there with a great lamentation expressions of mourning for the deceased, and extreme demonstrations of sorrow, according to Egyptian custom. This was obviously something they did for high-ranking people. And Joseph observed a seven-day mourning for his father. When the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the mourning at the threshing floor of Atad, or maybe that's Atad, it's A-T-A-D. They said, this is a grievous mourning for the Egyptians. Therefore, the place was named Abel Mizraim, mourning of Egypt. It is west of the Jordan. So this is because they saw them mourning there. Whether they understood who or what they were mourning for is unclear. So Jacob's sons did for him as he had commanded them. For his sons carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave of the field of Machpelah, east of Mamre, which Abraham bought along with the field as a burial site from Ephron the Hittite. After he had buried his father, Joseph returned to Egypt, he and his brothers and all who had gone with him. So this whole company, this whole huge group of people that had gone, they returned. Now, it's, it's worth noting that Pharaoh and those people, had they not thought highly of Joseph, I don't think they would have ever bothered to go with these people and do this. After all, we have to remember, they considered the Hebrews and the shepherds to be less than them. They considered them to be like 
uh, loathsome people in a way. And I don't understand the particulars of that, but I do know that we've read several times that they considered it to be loathsome to like eat with them or. So there's some supposed to be some division here, but they must have had great respect for Joseph to do this and his family. I mainly think that that respect is for Joseph, who has been in their country and has been helping them. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph carries a grudge against us and pays us back in full for the wrong which we did to him? Now, Remember that they had sold him into slavery, and as near as we know, he was not been released. He has not been released from this bond of slavery, okay? Even though he has moved up in Pharaoh's household, I don't believe he's truly been, like, freed or made a free man, okay? So, and, and be aware that back in, in these days where slavery was widely accepted um, as something that could occur, that um, some slaves were, um, you know, they did move up and have a certain amount of power and were treated um, differently than others. So not everyone was at the broad bottom. You know, some were treated better than others. And, and to my knowledge, it never says that Joseph has been made free. So you could say that you could assume that Joseph was free, but I don't think so. Because he said, you know, let me go bury my father and I will return. He's letting them know he's not trying to leave or get away. He's still a slave. He's still bound to Pharaoh. So anyway, just just making that point, um, we think of slavery as just being one thing. But there in the old world, in the old days, there were many, many facets to it. It was not just the way we saw slavery like in the uh, American South uh, back in the uh, what 17 and 1800s. That's that's how we typically think of it, and we have just one thought on it, and that's really not the way it was. Like so many things in life, especially when you go back in ancient times, it's a much more complicated and nuanced thing, okay? I'm not saying it's ever fun to be someone's slave. I'm not trying to imply anything like that, but, but we have to realize that historically, it's not, it's not just one thing. It's not just that. Nonetheless, um, so here Joseph's brothers, seeing that their father was dead, now they're worried that he's going to carry a grudge against them. And what if he's going to pay us back? They know, even though he's still, you know, Pharaoh's servant, he's still a powerful guy. And they're worried. Now, in my opinion, Joseph had already forgiven them. But here, they're, you know, they're rightly afraid and worried. What if he still is really angry with us? So they sent word to Joseph, saying, Your father commanded us before he died, saying, You are to say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin, for they did you wrong. Now notice, they're putting words into his father's mouth. But as far as we know, Jacob and Israel did not say this. So I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. Notice here, they're, they're worried and they're afraid, so they've made up. They've concocted this story. Now, please forgive the transgressions of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers went and fell down before him in confession. Then they said, Behold, we are your servants, slaves. 
basically, is what they're saying. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? Vengeance is his, not mine. You know, Joseph is saying, I'm not God to judge you. You know, Joseph has seen how his life has really been used, even all the bad and wrong things have really been used by God to to help them and further his family. Not that the intent of his brothers was good and not that what they did was good, because it was not. But still, God took these bad circumstances and helped make, you know, uh, a really good circumstance for them. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? In other words, vengeance is his, not mine. Judgment is his, not mine. As for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring about this present outcome that many people would be kept alive as they are this day. So now do not be afraid. I will provide for you and support you and your little ones. So he comforted them, giving them encouragement and hope, and spoke with kindness to their hearts. So he did. Here, he just overtly, outwardly, you know, says, hey, I I forgive you. Even though you meant evil against me, God has used this for good. He's used this to make this present outcome. And I honestly believe that when we you know, we can't always control the circumstances we're in or the events of things that happen around us, but we can choose how we respond and react to that. And Joseph's case is a wonderful case of that. He still stayed with God. He still responded to things as best he could in the situation he was in. He worked and did what he could to improve things for himself. And then God did the rest. You know, God made sure that he was blessed and that, you know, these things occurred. I believe this still works today. I don't believe um, that uh, that God is going to magically reach down and give me a million dollars. I don't think that's going to happen. But I believe that God still favors us with his blessings in that, and that when we do good things, those good things create good circumstances and better circumstances and opportunities for us. It's it's still the same you reap what you sow idea. The more you work on something, the more you work um, whatever it is. It can be good or bad, but whatever you work, that you're going to increase and you're going to grow and you're going to improve. Now, if it's something bad, it's going to improve in a negative way. So it's, it's, you know, it's going to get worse. In other words, you're going to worsen it. But if, it, if it's something good, it's going to improve. And I, I truly believe that is the way, from what I've seen in my life, that is the way things work. That's the way God made things. And it's very simple. You can simply see it through simple physical exercise, how that strengthens you and makes you better in those things. It applies to everything in life, including spiritual, emotional, mental, everything. I have not seen anything where that does not apply. All right, off my soapbox. Let's move on. Now, Joseph lived in Egypt, he and his father's household. And Joseph lived 110 years. 
Joseph saw the third generation of Ephraim's children, also the children of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were born and raised on Joseph's knees. Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will surely take care of you and bring you up out of this land to the land which he promised to Abraham, Isaac, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give you. Now, he's just listed Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob's his dad, Isaac's his granddad, and Abraham would be his great-granddad. Okay? So, and this is Joseph. So, we're talking about basically four generations, but Joseph is seeing the next couple of generations. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel, Jacob, swear an oath, saying, God will surely visit you and take care of you, returning you to Canaan. And when that happens, you shall carry my bones up from here. So Joseph died, being a 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Now, but he made them promise to take him with them so that he could be, well, let's see. You shall carry my bones up from here so that he would be returned to the land of promise, to Canaan. Now that is the end of Genesis. Now in the next, the next book, of course, as I'm sure most everyone knows, is Exodus. It's going to be chapter 1. Uh, I want, just want to mention real quickly, and, and, and I'll probably mention it again when we start uh, chapter 1, but uh, the Exodus and, and everything that happens with the children of Israel from here forward just just as it was here it's it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of a reflection it's like we're looking into a mirror of ourselves if we would pay attention and notice how these people live and what they do and what they say and how they think and how they react to things we can definitely see that reflection of ourselves in these people they are not uh, unlike any of us, they are normal, everyday people. You can see uh, reflections of society, uh, especially in the children of Israel, because they're a, a large group of people. You're going to see reflections of society and reflections of us as individuals. So anyway, this has been Genesis and chapter 50. I want to thank you for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day. May God bless you and keep you safe always. And remember, God loves you.